Welcome to another episode of Gerocast, a podcast that explores the lived experience of older adults. Today we will be exploring the topics of power of attorney and substitute decision-making in Ontario. By the end of this episode, you should be able to understand substitute decision-making and the key roles of substitute decision-makers and understand communication skills, including obtaining consent from substitute decision-makers. Have you ever considered what would happen if you were suddenly incapable of making decisions on your own? Who would you trust to make the right decisions on your behalf? Substitute decision-making is a fundamental element of the informed consent process when a patient does not have the capacity to make healthcare-related decisions. As you know, healthcare practitioners are required to get informed consent before providing any type of treatment. If the patient has the capacity to make decisions, then they can provide this consent themselves. However, if the patient does not have the capacity to make decisions, then the consent will need to come from the patient's substitute decision maker. One type of substitute decision maker is a power of attorney. According to the Government of Ontario, a power of attorney is a legal document in which one gives someone they trust, called their attorney, the right to make decisions for them in the event that something happens and they are no longer able to look after matters on their own. There are two types of power of attorney. One is power of attorney for property. This person can make decisions about one's financial affairs, including paying one's bills, collecting money owed, maintaining or selling one's house, and managing one's investments. The second type of power of attorney is the power of attorney for personal care. This person can make decisions about one's healthcare, housing, hygiene, and other aspects of one's personal life, such as meals and clothing, in the event that they become incapable of making these decisions themselves. Today, we will primarily be discussing power of attorney for personal care. It's important to note that in order for someone to legally appoint a power of attorney, they must have decision-making capacity. Therefore, it must be clear that this person can understand the need to choose someone with genuine concern for their welfare, and that there might be a need for the proposed power of attorney to make personal care decisions on their behalf. Today, we are joined by our guest, Mary, who will be speaking about her experience as power of attorney for her husband. Welcome to the podcast. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about yourself? I am 79 years old. I was born on in 1940s. I understand that you are the power of attorney for your husband. Is that correct? Yes. Perfect. And would you be able uh, just to tell us um, a little bit about that? Okay. Well, um, my husband has um, a mixed uh, dementia. He has a vascular dementia and also Alzheimer's. And so um, in looking back over the years, I mean, he is, um, he was born in 1937, September 7. He's three years older than I am. But um, I think that 
actually the dementia started earlier than um you know um was recognized like his starting in his 50s he started to become very rigid in his thinking like you know kind of obsessive about um watering the garden uh times for watering the garden and just routines um so uh, you know just looking back i think that was probably the first sign um he was a geophysicist professor at queens in the geology department and um he was always very very conscious of um you know what science was available for you know things to do to st- live a long healthy life and he certainly ate well and exercised well and um you know i think that probably that um made it happen a little later than it might otherwise have happened gradual deterioration over many years really and we did a lot of traveling together over the course of our lives like backpacking around the world with kids on um, several times and um you know he was a real outdoors person and a real adventurer um and that was very exciting for all of us but the last trip that we did the last major trip was 5 years ago to Poland and at that point he was still um you know had a brain to speak of although we had to be very careful about him because he was forgetful but it was at that point that um i went with him to the lawyer and we made a jo- a will together or um you know we made all these financial decisions um to prepare for um the fact that he was not going to have his mind we didn't know how many years um so uh we did get everything in place kind of 5 years ago all our financials our investments our banking arrangements everything that he had to have a mind for that's the advantage of um alzheimer's that you do have time to do all this stuff so i can't remember exactly when i got the power of attorney I honestly can't remember but it was sometime within the last 5 years um with my lawyer Let's take a moment to reflect So far we know that one has to have the capacity to make decisions in order to appoint a power of attorney for personal care In Ontario what kinds of healthcare professionals can perform capacity assessments What types of assessments do they use? Feel free to pause the recording for a few minutes as you actively reflect on your thoughts. We also had a in 2017 we had a celebration of his life. Um while he still had a mind that could understand and you know it was funny people sort of said oh I didn't know he died and I said well no he hasn't died we're just <laughs> we're doing this beforehand because people always say oh I wish that George knew that everybody was going to come to his funeral and you know it would have been so nice if he could have been here so I thought well let's let's do it let's um while he's still alive so it was a wonderful celebration Is your husband currently living in some sort of assisted living environment? Yes, he is. He's in Providence Manor. Okay. Right now, in terms of your husband's um like day-to-day care, you are the one who's in involved in the decisions, right? As power of attorney. So the uh the doctors and the healthcare professionals will contact you, is that correct? 
Yes. And in your opinion, what do you think um, some important things to consider are when choosing a power of attorney? Um, that's difficult because it must be different on in every situation. I mean, I think the first thing would be uh, that you totally trust the person that is going to be the power of attorney, and you're not concerned that they will benefit financially in some way from it. And are you, just to clarify, um, the power of attorney of both your husband's personal care and uh, for property as well? Yes. Yeah, you are. Okay. Thank you, Mary, for sharing. Uh, I I really appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time out of your day. (laughs) Bye-bye. Take care. Today, we've had the opportunity to hear Mary share her story about being power of attorney for her husband. Specifically, she spoke about how her husband's dementia diagnosis prompted her to become the power of attorney. Keep in mind that Mary's story represents just one perspective on substitute decision-making. It's important for us to remember that every person has their own unique lived experience. For your group assignment, please answer the following questions. 1. Let's assume that Mary was not legally appointed as her husband's power of attorney. In fact, her husband never actually prepared a power of attorney. He has been assessed and is deemed incapable of making decisions on his own. Under these circumstances, by default, Who would be the substitute decision-maker for Mary's husband? Is Mary still able to legally make decisions on his behalf? Please reference the Substitute Decision-Maker Hierarchy in the Healthcare Consent Act. 2. Please explain the concept of power of attorney and substitute decision-maker. Provide an overview of the process of obtaining power of attorney in Ontario and compare it to other provinces. 3. What are some problems or some risks with using a power of attorney that people need to be aware of? 4. Sometimes a patient may be accompanied to a physiotherapy appointment by a person who is not their substitute decision maker. In this case, what information, if any, can be shared with this person? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of JeroCast. Please visit www.rehab.queensu.ca slash JeroCast to access the full list of people and resources that made this project possible. Thank you.